Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome in on a Friday. It's the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. It's great to be with you on the day that sports has returned to us. Now, look, I know, I know that we've had English Premier League or whatever, and the PGA Tour has been going, and that's been really good, but that's not a team sport, right? It's an individual thing. It's been good, but I don't really count that. Is anybody paying attention to Major League Soccer? No. Sports returned yesterday. For all intents and purposes, sports are back in the United States with the start of Major League Baseball's season, and it feels really good. Now, it's a fitting way the first game ended yesterday, right, in a rain delay um, that just ended after six innings. The Yankees beat the Nationals. Just a very 2020 way to start the delayed 60-game baseball season at the end of July by a rain-shortened six-inning game in Washington. That is just extremely fitting. But at least we had something. And I'm not the biggest Major League Baseball guy, to tell you the truth. It's just not just not for me. To each their own. I'll watch it. I'll especially watch college baseball. Like don't if you're new to this podcast, I will cover Ole Miss baseball when it comes extensively because I know you love it and I like college baseball, especially around here. I've grown to love it. Major League Baseball is just not really my thing. It's background noise for me. But it did feel really, really good to put on a baseball game in the middle of the summer to have it on in the background while I was doing other things. I've got a few Ole Miss-related topics, so I won't spend too much time on this, but a couple of thoughts uh, just from the overall experience of watching the uh, 2020 version of sports in America. I understand why Major League Baseball is doing the piped-in crowd noise. I know the players were concerned about... uh, Foul language, making it on the broadcast, and they don't want people to hear them use certain words and stuff. I know that that was a concern of theirs, and they wanted some piped-in crowd noise for that reason, among other things. But it was terrible. I I kept watching the game, and it felt to me, and some people disagree with this, but I think the piped-in crowd noise stunk. It felt to me like you were hearing audio from something else, because what whoever was controlling the crowd noise was doing was not exactly tied to the game. For example, like they would, maybe it was an accident, but I don't know. um, They would hit like loud cheers during a routine foul ball. Like there'd be a foul ball and suddenly the in-stadium crowd noise would cheer loudly. And it's like, what am I watching? Is is that audio from a different game that, that that I'm hearing here? They need to work on that a lot. It was something that I noticed. I watched a handful of innings without interruption last night. And it was something that I noticed right away, is that the the audio makes it sound like you're listening to something and watching something else. They've got to figure that out, because I thought it was choppy and unnatural and kind of took away from the broadcast. And I've always thought that the the piped-in crowd noise would be a mistake anyway. Let us hear the natural sounds that you don't really get to hear on TV. I would love to hear more of that. Uh, They've chosen not to, but... Whoever's pushing the buttons up there to to do crowd noise has to get better because loud cheers during a foul ball is awful when you're watching and consuming the game 
on television. That's got to get better. Now, don't get me wrong. I very much appreciate that there were sports to watch last night. I had a guy on Twitter tell me that I sounded like Dan Wolken for saying that the piped-in crowd noise stunk. No, I appreciate what they're trying to do. I'm glad that we have sports back. Just offering some constructive criticism on how to make it better. Get whoever's up in the booth controlling the crowd noise to do a better job. Replace them or something, because it was awful yesterday. You cannot have loud cheers during foul balls and try to pretend like it's a natural environment. I hope the NBA is much better at it because they're doing something like that. And the NFL, if they choose to go down that road with a lot of their stadiums being forced to not have fans in them, um, they need to do a better job than what Major League Baseball showed you last night. So that stunk. I'm glad that baseball was playing. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that we have sports back, and I appreciate the effort. They got to do better there. And speaking of having to do better, oh boy, Anthony Fauci. <laughs> when my wife, who has never played a team sport in her life, she, she did dance and, and things like that. She, she didn't like play softball or anything. When I could, I guarantee you, I could have thrown her out there and she could have thrown a better first pitch than that. That <laughs> was awful. And I don't need my doctor to be a great athlete. I mean, I know I'm making fun of him here and a lot of people had jokes and stuff about it. Uh, I think I would be more concerned if the infectious disease doctor who's been working on all this stuff ran up there and threw like a fastball at 90 down the pipe, you know? I, I would much rather have my doctor be a super nerd who does not clearly does not how to throw not know how to throw a baseball. I'd rather that than the alternative, I think. Because at least I know he hasn't wasn't distracted during his college years or something playing baseball. But that's enough of that. I got a couple of old miss things uh, to talk with you about. But first I do want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you every day by LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. It's the best place to buy your meat. Also, I don't know if you saw a picture yesterday. There was some kind of uh, Ole Miss Football Leadership Council meeting, and Lane Kiffin tweeted out uh, a couple of pictures of, uh, I think it was Ryder Anderson and John Rice Plumley uh, playing cornhole, and then the other picture was a spread from LB's, and the food looked incredible. So stop by LB's if you want food like that for one of their weekday lunch specials, or get your meat for a weekend behind the grill. So that's LB's. Stop by. Go see Greg. Tell him we sent you. Just across from Kroger on University Avenue. uh, The best place in Mississippi to get your meat. By the way, um, on that Kiffin Leadership Council thing, it's crazy that he was doing that like the day before he's supposed to resign. (laughs) Oh, man. So... In case you you didn't see it, which if you didn't, lucky you, um, there was, it started on a Mississippi State message board, and because Ole Miss people read Mississippi State message boards, it it apparently made its rounds on the Ole Miss message boards as well, that there was a rumor out there that Lane Kiffin was supposed to resign on Friday. Unfortunately, I'm not insulated from stuff like this either, even though uh, I, I avoid those kind of websites as much as I can. Um, The problem with rumors like that is not that they spread to other message boards because people on message boards are going to do what they do. Uh, But I get asked about them. And so over the last 24 hours, I've been asked by six different people something along the lines of, man, I I know that sounds crazy, but like there's no truth to that, right? I'm like, oh, 
come on. So, yeah, uh, Lane Kiffin is apparently supposed to resign today. So, uh, end of an era. Yeah, he had a really good run at Ole Miss. You know, never lost a game. Uh, so, I think he's the first Ole Miss coach in history to go undefeated in his time uh, as the head coach. So, um, you know, short tenure for Lane Kiffin, but a really successful one because, like I said, didn't lose a game. Uh, but that uh, is coming to an end today thanks to a Mississippi State message board for breaking the news that Lane Kiffin will resign uh, at some point on Friday. That must have been why he was having that leadership council meeting last night was... Um, you know, just because uh, he was letting his guys know that he was resigning and that Billy Napier was going to take over. So, uh, hate to break that news to you if you're finding out right now. I hope you were sitting down for this. But, um, yeah, end of an era. End of an era. And uh, luckily there's no rock uh, on campus for the students to paint in anger like they did at Tennessee when he left after one season. But uh, undefeated, though. At least you have that to hang on to. All right, some more serious stuff here. Ole Miss, uh, shortly uh, after I recorded on Wednesday, I was told that this was probably coming. Uh, Ole Miss got a transfer wide receiver. And, and the, the timing of this could not have been better with what we talked about on Wednesday and all of the, the Twitter stuff that went on on Wednesday and Ole Miss adding a player uh, like Deontay Marks from Florida, a University of Florida transfer to Ole Miss. The timing could not have been better. So uh, he's a guy from DeLand, Florida. Uh, He made appearances last year against UT Martin and Towson, but he redshirted. Uh, Just couldn't immediately break into the rotation uh, there at Florida. And so he decided to transfer, enter the portal. Uh, He was a thousand yard receiver his final year in high school. He's listed at 6'2", 180. had a really good offer sheet. Uh, he was uh, just a three-star, but again, I mean, if you're good enough to play at a place like Florida and get a scholarship there, you can obviously play, especially with how Dan Mullen has evaluated talent in the past. But he had a good offer sheet. Louisville, Nebraska, West Virginia, Florida State. Uh, I mean, and you saw uh, Levy at UCF and then Kiffin and Boca both recruited him as well. So they are very familiar uh, with uh, this young man, and uh, he has decided to transfer to Ole Miss. And so we'll see about eligibility. I know that JT Daniels somehow, some way, was granted eligibility uh, transferring from Southern Cal as a California kid to uh, Georgia and getting immediate eligibility somehow. I mean, the kid's got the LA Coliseum tattooed on his leg and <laughs> he got immediate eligibility at Georgia. I don't know if that was in the appeal or not, but uh, like I said last week, I think it was. Um, Every player that transfers right now should be given immediate eligibility if JT Daniels was given immediate eligibility. So, good player uh, figures to factor in. Uh, I mean, especially after uh, Elijah Moore goes and and we've got some uh, older guys right now in the receiver rotation at Ole Miss and and he might not even be eligible right away. But good quality depth added to uh, the wide receiver position uh, getting a transfer from Florida. And like I said, the timing could not have been any better could not have been any better because on Wednesday we talked about how recruiting rankings need to be added into some context right well let's take it a step further I tweeted this by the way follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky I occasionally have good tweets like this Wednesday night I said off the top of my head Ole Miss has now added via transfer a safety from Georgia that wide receiver from Florida 
their starting tight end who came from Temple, a linebacker from Navy, a defensive end, and a defensive back from Canada. And that reminded me of an answer from Lane Kiffin's opening press conference. He's roster building through more than just recruiting high school kids. This is what he said. Here's a direct quote. This now, our system, is a lot like the NFL theme. Now in college football, where we have high school and junior college kids, transfer and graduate transfer kids, guys leaving the program, it's basically like free agency. And you have to figure out how you're going to manage that and which ones you're going to take. It didn't used to be like that. There were hardly any transfers. It used to just be taking high school and junior college kids. End quote. And so we've talked about it a few times on this podcast as well, but Lane Kiffin told you day one how he's going to build rosters at Ole Miss, and it's not going to be through signing 25 high school kids a year. He told you that, and that's a really smart way to do it, especially when it comes to uh, the youth that Ole Miss has on their roster. You can... Go get some transfers, guys that maybe don't have five years of eligibility on the table. This is just simply a really smart way to acquire talent. As you guys know, it's a little bit different at Ole Miss. I think that they can recruit consistently very good. Uh, As I've told you before, I think, one, just being in the SEC elevates your job. Two, Mississippi's an underrated recruiting state. And Oxford's a cool town. It's a place that you can recruit well, too. Are you ever going to be at Alabama's level? Absolutely not. But can you consistently recruit top 20 classes a year? Absolutely, you can. But that might take a while to do that consistently. So especially now with coronavirus and a new staff and trying to establish and win as fast as possible and just the new... Uh, culture around college football in college athletics in general with the way people are transferring places you have to do it differently now and this is a really smart way to do it like I told you on Wednesday it does not matter where the people come from and honestly doesn't matter how you get them Lane Kiffin and his staff's job is to do one thing and that's win football games that's it that's all they have to do And you do it by any means necessary. So if you can go get a linebacker who was an all-AAC selection at Navy who can really freaking play, you go get that kid. If you can get a wide receiver from Florida or safety from Georgia, you go get them. You acquire talent in any way possible. And the modern approach to roster building that Kiffin is taking can level the playing field with Ole Miss and their SEC West competitors because Ole Miss is not recruiting on LSU's level. The state of Louisiana produces more talent than the state of Mississippi. There's more resources above the table and below the table at LSU than there is at Ole Miss. But you can level the playing field by acquiring talent, in some cases underappreciated talent from other places, diamonds in the rough from Canada, a freakish athletic defensive end from Canada, you can go get those guys and bridge the gap between you and LSU and Alabama and even Auburn while you're establishing a footprint in elite-level recruiting classes. It's a great way to bridge the gap. It's really smart. And so that's why the the, the hyperbolic, the, the panicking, and, and all the stuff that you saw this week on Twitter, um, like I told you Wednesday, just doesn't, 
apply the appropriate context. They are roster building differently than previous coaches. They're not just going to go sign a bunch of kids just because they're from Mississippi or they're not just going to go fill up a recruiting class of 25 guys. They could have signed more guys at signing day. They could have this past year. Four or five more guys at least that they were told to look elsewhere. They're not just going to take high school kids to take high school kids. They're going to take people that they truly believe will contribute from any way they could possibly get them. It's a smart strategy. It is one that you haven't exactly seen lately at Ole Miss, except for the quarterback position. Um, It's modernizing the way you acquire talent, especially at a place like Ole Miss, where, like I said, it's different recruiting here than it is at your SEC West counterparts. You've got to find a way to take a different approach than everybody else. And this is the way to do it. And if we're being honest, there is more layers to the Twitter freakout or whatever you want to call it, the hand-wringing that played out publicly on Twitter um, because Ole Miss found a better kicker than the mayor's kid. Um, there are people, very clearly there are, there are local people, and I've heard so many stories over the last couple months, um, that are very uncomfortable with the fact that Ole Miss's head football coach doesn't really care about being friends with the locals. He's not going to rub elbows with and just hand out his phone number and let people text him uniform suggestions a couple days before the game because that is a thing that I have been told that has happened in a previous coaching regime. He is not go he doesn't care. That's not his personality. And I'm not saying doing that's wrong. That there are coaches in college football that are that are old, that are seen in public and are have great relationships with local people and they're always around and they're just good country club people and they're always accessible and visible. That's not a it's not a bad approach if you win. But that's not the one this current coaching staff is taking. And it has very clearly made some people really uncomfortable. The local known figure even called their approach short-sighted. Um, no, it's, it's just different. And in my opinion, like I said, others have taken different approaches. In my opinion, this is the best approach possible. This is how it should be done. This is how Nick Saban does it at Alabama. It's, I'm going to win games. I'm going to coach football. Leave me alone. Let me do my job. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if the football coach is friends with all the locals. It doesn't matter if the locals got to lobby on his behalf and get him the job. Uh, Because if you lose football games, um, you lose your job. Matt Luke is a great example of that. The locals just love him because he's a really good person. There's no denying that. But all the support and love in the world from the locals does not fill up a 65,000-seat stadium. You see? 
It doesn't win football games. And when you lose football games, everybody else from not Oxford don't show up anymore and don't support anymore and you lose your job. Like I said a few minutes ago, and this will always remain true, Lane Kiffin has one job. One. And that's it. It's not be buddies with the locals. It's not be accessible at the country club. It's not to be seen in public. His one job is to win football games. And that's what he's going to try to do. And for some reason, that has made some people uncomfortable. But I can tell you, based on conversations I've had and things that I've seen from people that don't live in town, they love it. Because this is how big-time programs are supposed to be run, in my opinion. And you see what happens uh, with Nick Saban at Alabama. You think he's hanging out at the country club with all these, all these guys and everybody's got his phone number? And No. Let me coach ball. Get out of my way. And the thing is, all these pe- if anybody that hates his approach to it, uh, once he starts winning, they won't care. Winning cures everything. That's all that matters. That's the only thing that ever matters. And so it's rubbing people the wrong way and witnessing it from afar is funny to me because this is how it always should have been. And this is how it always should be at a place like Ole Miss and in a town like Oxford that's very small. If you want to win at a high level, you've got to act like you're at the high level. And the football coach should not be accessible all the time to everyone. It's kind of hard to do in a town that small, but if you want to win, that needs to be the approach. And good on Keith Carter for hiring someone that you knew the day he was hired wouldn't give a shit. You knew the day he was hired he would not care. It is not on his agenda to be buddies with the locals, and it never will be, and that's a good thing. Ole Miss can be a football job that has national success. They're not currently in a position to compete for national titles. Financially, the resources are just different in other places, but you can be a program that people know, and not because your coach got fired because he had escort services on his university-issued phone. No, Ole Miss can be a job that people respect nationally, that wins games regularly. But it's got to act different, and it's got to look different. And right now, you've got a guy that's acting different, and you've got an athletic director that's going to make it look different. And it's, it's making people uncomfortable, and you should love it. You should love it. <laughs> I'm not comparing Lane Kiffin to Nick Saban. Nick Saban's the greatest college football coach to ever, to ever live. Lane Kiffin may never win a national championship on his own. He may only be at Ole Miss for three years. I don't know. But this is how it's supposed to look. This is how it's supposed to be done. The freaking out on Twitter about recruiting classes in July is is silly. Especially when you consider how they're acquiring talent. It's a modern approach. It's a smart approach to recruiting. They don't care about signing kids from Mississippi just because they're from Mississippi. And it's not like it's worked out for people before. It's not like Ole Miss has just been dominating in-state recruiting anyway. The strategy is sound. Acquire talent any way, shape, or form you can get it because that bridges the gap between you and the teams in your division that have more resources than you. It's only about winning football games. 
this is how it's supposed to look. Is it going to work? I don't know. Coronavirus is really throwing a wrench into a lot of things. But I've told you this before because it bears repeating. At least on paper and how it looks, we've got to see it in action. But your leadership in athletics and with your football program is that of people who understand how it must be done in order to win consistently at a higher level than you have been. And I I think I overgeneralize, too. There are people that I've talked to that live uh, around town up there that love the new approach. So it's not everybody. It's just a a vocal vocal few. But uh, the the Twitter drama and stuff that you saw uh, this week is just small-town BS drama. And uh, things are looking differently now. I think you should love it. That's just my opinion. And uh, let's move on. Last thing for you. It's worth noting that although I stand by what I said last week about the Ole Miss-Baylor game, I think it is highly unlikely that Ole Miss and Baylor play each other in Houston at NRG Stadium on September 6, 2020. There's another layer to it that was brought to my attention recently that I didn't even think of, but that is an NFL stadium. With the NFL's new protocols that they're agreeing upon, will they even let Ole Miss and Baylor play that game? That, that's a big question because they're really limiting who goes in and out of their facilities now. And so if Ole Miss and Baylor are going to play that game, are they going to have to follow the NFL's protocols? And it's just a mess. I don't think that game is going to happen at that location on that day. However, they are trying to save this game in the 13 other major non-conference games in the SEC. Now, Alabama's going to add one. Texas A&M is probably going to add one. I assume they will because both of those teams are supposed to play Pac-12 opponents. But everyone else, I think they're doing their best to save it. And here's why I say that. Uh, Reporting a couple of hours uh, ago from when I hit record, uh, this was Brett McMurphy on Friday morning. He said the ACC's top scheduling model is 10 league games plus one non-conference foe according to his sources. In that format, Notre Dame would play 10 ACC teams, and the results would count in ACC standings. So Notre Dame could possibly win the ACC and earn their Orange Bowl bid. <laughs> that would be, uh, that's pending approval from the, the president of the conference. But the ACC is discussing a 10-league game, and Pete Thamel also said that his sources were telling him the same thing a uh, 10-league game, and a plus-one outside of the conference. Uh, The ACC start date is being debated between September 12th, 19th, and 26th, so a delayed start to the season, but a 10-plus-one model in the ACC. According to Ross Dellinger, this was uh, yesterday, this was Thursday. Uh, Scheduling formats in the Pac-12 are going to be 10 conference games plus a delayed start. He's also reporting the ACC is looking at a 10-plus-1 model. The Big 12 is still waiting two more weeks. The SEC uh, will wait as well. But this is why this is big news for the SEC and for Ole Miss Baylor. Because throughout the Big 10 and the Big 12, they really are in the Pac-12. They really screwed all of this up. The Pac-12 is going to conference-only scheduling. They've ruined their good non-conference games, the one that they have. Same deal with the Big Ten, but when it comes to the SEC in the ACC in the Big 12, you have seen now they are 
seemingly working together. And each conference, they have a lot of games between each other on the schedule. The SEC and the ACC have six games, and the Big 12, they have four. Uh, I'll pull up the helmet schedule just to make sure that this is... uh, uh, that is accurate. I know they have a lot of games between the three conferences, uh, for sure. And so they're trying to preserve them. And that's a really encouraging thing. Like I told you, I've said a few times now, they have not jumped the gun. They have not uh, overreacted like the Pac-12 has. They're seemingly willing to work together to make sure that they can keep these games alive. As you know, you've got Florida, Florida State, and Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Louisville, Kentucky, and... Uh, Clemson, South Carolina, those are ACC games. Arkansas is supposed to play Notre Dame. Auburn's supposed to play North Carolina. And then Mississippi State, NC State. And when it comes to the Big 12, you've got Ole Miss, Baylor. I mean, you've got LSU, Texas. You've got Tennessee, Oklahoma. Uh, You've got, well, you know, no one's really going to care about this one, but you've got Vanderbilt, Kansas State. Uh, Those are games they want to save. And so this news from the ACC that they're going to push forward with a 10 plus 1 model, that means that you are going to get, if all things go well and knock on wood, hopefully they go well, that in one way or another, you're going to get these marquee matchups outside of the conference for your favorite SEC team in most of your cases for, for Ole Miss. A delayed start to the season makes sense. That's probably going to happen. Give them more time to figure everything out. But... I wouldn't be surprised at all if the SEC went 9 plus 2. If the ACC is going to play 10 games, maybe the SEC goes 10 plus 1, but there was a lot of blowback at the AD meeting about a 10-game conference schedule. They don't really want to do that. They think the rigors of the league, uh, they they don't want to do that. Maybe the plus 1 puts them over the edge, but if you throw in a 9 plus 2 model might be the way you do it to play the same amount of games you preserve your big time non-conference games uh, and you can add one more or save one more so you don't have to pay buyouts to Georgia Southern for example um this is encouraging news because it certainly sounds like the ACC and the Big 12 and the SEC are working together they know they realize that they have big time games against each other that they, that they want to preserve And so, forget the Big Ten and the Pac-12. They blew it. They're all working together. So if this is what the ACC is discussing, if this is what they're considering pushing forward with, uh, I think you can expect and should not be at all surprised if you um, see an extremely similar, if not identical, model for the SEC. So really good news on that front uh, when it comes to scheduling. I think you can... uh, Expect something similar to come soon uh, from the SEC. Probably in in another week or so, uh, they'll make a decision uh, when it comes to scheduling and, and season start times and stuff like that. It's going to come soon, but that's a really encouraging sign that the ACC is still doing what they can to preserve these big-time games. So I hope you enjoy your weekend. Uh, I'll wrap uh, it up here. Have a really good weekend. Don't forget to go by LBs. Go see Greg. Tell him we sent you. He's feeding the football team. At least he fed the leadership council. The spread looked amazing. Um, So go by, see Greg, tell him we sent you. Stop at LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Have a safe and good weekend. Enjoy the live sports. We have baseball back this week. We have the NBA back next week. NFL teams are reporting to training camp. We are getting back to some semblance of normalcy, and it is really good to say that out loud. 
So enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much for making the podcast a part of your day. I really appreciate all of you uh, hanging around and listening, and I'll talk to you on Monday morning. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.